Section 23 of Something Childish and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rob Marland. The Wrong House by Catherine Mansfield. Two pearl, two plain, wool in front of the needle, and knit two together like an old song, like a song that she had sung so often that only to breathe was to sing it, she murmured the knitting pattern. Another vest was nearly finished for the mission parcel. "'It's your vests, Mrs. Bean, that are so acceptable. Look at these poor little mites without a shred!' And the churchwoman showed her a photograph of repulsive little black objects with bellies shaped like lemons too pearl too plain down dropped the knitting onto her lap she gave a great long sigh stared in front of her for a moment and then picked the knitting up and began again what did she think about when she sighed like that nothing it was a habit she was always sighing on the stairs particularly as she went up and down she stopped holding her dress up with one hand the other hand on the banister, staring at the steps, sighing. Wool in front of the needle. She sat at the dining-room window facing the street. It was a bitter autumn day. The wind ran in the street like a thin dog. The houses opposite looked as though they had been cut out with a pair of ugly steel scissors and pasted onto the grey paper sky. There was not a soul to be seen knit two together the clock struck three only three it seemed dusk already dusk came floating into the room heavy powdery dusk settling on the furniture filming over the mirror now the kitchen clock struck three two minutes late for this was the clock to go by and not the kitchen clock she was alone in the house Dollisas was out shopping. She had been gone since a quarter to two. Really, she got slower and slower. What did she do with the time? One cannot spend more than a certain time buying a chicken. And, oh, that habit of hers of dropping the stove rings when she made up the fire. And she set her lips, as she had set her lips for the past thirty-five years, at that habit of Dolisus. Then came a faint noise from the street, a noise of horses' hooves. She leaned further out to see. Good gracious, it was a funeral. First the glass coach, rolling along briskly with the gleaming varnished coffin inside, but no wreaths, with three men in front and two standing at the back, then some carriages some with black horses, some with brown. The dust came bowling up the road, half hiding the procession. She scanned the houses opposite to see which had the blinds down. What horrible-looking men, too, laughing and joking. One leaned over to one side and blew his nose with his black glove. Horrible! She gathered up the knitting, hiding her hands in it. 
Dolisus surely would have known. There they were passing. It was the other end. What was this? What was happening? What could it mean? Help, God! Her old heart leaped like a fish, and then fell as the glass coach drew up outside her door, as the outside men scrambled down from the front, swung off the back, and the tallest of them, with a glance of surprise at the windows, came quickly, stealthily, up the garden path. No, she groaned. But, yes, the blow fell, and for a moment it struck her down. She gasped, a great cold shiver went through her, and stayed in her hands and knees. She saw the man withdraw a step, and again, that puzzled glance at the blinds, then— "'No,' she groaned, and stumbling, catching hold of things, she managed to get to the door before the blow fell again. She opened it, her chin trembled, her teeth clacked. Somehow or other she brought out the wrong house. Oh, he was shocked. As she stepped back, she saw behind him the black hats clustered at the gate. The wrong house, he muttered. She could only nod. She was shutting the door again when he fished out of the tail of his coat a black, brass-bound notebook and swiftly opened it. Number twenty, Shuttleworth Crescent? S street, Crescent, round the corner. Her hand lifted to point, but shook and fell. He was taking off his hat as she shut the door and leaned against it, whimpering in the dusky hall, Go away, go away. Clockety-clock-clock, cluck-cluck, clockety-clock-cluck, sounded from outside, and then a faint cluck cluck and then silence they were gone they were out of sight but still she stayed leaning against the door staring at the hall stand that was like a great lobster with hat pegs for feelers but she thought of nothing she did not even think of what had happened it was as if she had fallen into a cave whose walls were darkness she came to herself with a deep inward shock hearing the gate bang and quick short steps crunching the gravel. It was Dolisus hurrying round to the back door. Dolisus must not find her there, and wavering, wavering like a candle flame, back she went into the dining room to her seat by the window. Dolisus was in the kitchen. Clang! went one of the iron rings into the fender. Then her voice I'm just putting on the tea kettle, hm. Since they had been alone, she had got into the way of shouting from one room to another. The old woman coughed to steady herself. Please bring in the lamp, she cried. The lamp? Dolisus came across the passage and stood in the doorway. Why, it's only just on four, ma'am. Never mind, said Mrs. Bean dully. Bring it in and a moment later the elderly maid appeared, carrying the gentle lamp in both hands. Her broad, soft face had the look it always had when she carried anything, as though she walked in her sleep. She set it down on the table, lowered the wick, raised it, and then lowered it again. 
then she straightened up and looked across at her mistress why ma'am whatever's that you're treading on it was the mission vest as dolisus picked it up she thought the old lady has been asleep she's not awake yet indeed the old lady looked glazed and dazed and when she took up the knitting she drew out a needle of stitches and began to unwind what she'd done don't forget the mace she said her voice sounded thin and dry she was thinking of the chicken for that night's supper and dolisus understood and answered it's a lovely young bird as she pulled down the blind before going back to her kitchen nineteen nineteen end of section twenty three